I'm about to eat some pizza uh, with my beautiful girlfriend, and then we're gonna go see Avengers. And I'm very excited. excited, dude. I'm very excited. Are you, are you ready for uh, Black Panther to die 15 minutes in? Joe, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Yo. All right. So here's the thing. If that's true, I'm gonna be very upset with you. And don't say anything else because you're gonna ruin it. And the fact now, but now I cannot tell my girlfriend. So <laughs> I am not gonna say anything. But I'm go- that's now. This is a new experience, and. You changed the movie for me forever, and I'll hate you for that <laughs> until you die. I told uh, the, I told one of my classes that they were like all Marvel fans. And stop I, talking about no, 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 just listen. And this is this is how I troll kids. So I was like, yeah, guys, like that. This happens, right? And they're like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, yeah, my my uncle works out in L.A. and I got uh, I got to see a private screening. I'm like, he dies, but I'm like, I'm like, what's the green chick from Guardian of the Galaxy's name? They're like, well, I don't even know what's her name, Gamora. I don't know. And yeah, that sounds and, like it. And they're like. I'm like, what's her blue sister's name? Neb-, and they're like, Nebula. I'm like, okay, yeah. Nebula, like, finds something in deep space. They resurrect Black Panther. Everything's fine. I'm like, the, but the first thing, 15 minutes. Like, it's a shocker. But don't worry, guys. So he's, he'll, he'll be back. Mama. And, dude, they were so pissed. It was the best. It was Mama. the best. And that is Philadelphia Sports with Russell Joy. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, hold on. how you been? What do you think of the Sixers? How excited are you? Oh man, we're just getting into it. Um, yeah, we're into it. We've been into it. You're gonna put the whole thing in. Oh my god, we're gonna do the whole thing. Okay. Um, I'm excited about the Sixers. Uh, oh. I guess you know for for the people who are listening right now, uh, you know, um, this is obviously not Kyle. I'm talking to. This is uh, our special guest for the episode, or at least for the segment. Yo, uh, you may you may recognize his voice. You it's may have go. They know. You may have uh, watched the Bleacher Report uh, coverage of the NFL draft. Well Yo, done, Dallas Goddard. <sighs> I'm so excited. That's the best move that Howie Roseman's done. Like, he's done a lot of good moves, but I think the best move that Howie Roseman has ever done is on the day that uh, their future Hall of Fame tight end, definitely going in the Ring of Honor, Jason Witten, surprisingly retires, and Jerry Jones says, I'm going to try and have a meeting with him to convince him not to take Monday Night Football. The Eagles trade ahead of Dallas to take the best tight end remaining and is definitely a starter and could have Pro Bowls in his future. And he was named after the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Goddard. It was falling to their laps. They're like, oh my gosh, seamless transition of history. We've done it. Howie Roseman's little ass trades up and goes yoinks and says, I need two. I need Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. That's how we do things in Philly because we are the Super Bowl champions. I love it. Hey, Dallas. Hey, Dallas. The last time. (laughs) You sound like David Akers. The last time you were in the Super Bowl. Oh, what a lie. These draft picks weren't even born. I think Philadelphia needs to appreciate right now that as soon as we won the Super Bowl, there was a lot of messaging that went around that's like, yo, we're in Dallas. And remember when Drew Pearson, or whatever old Cowboys guy it was, said all those bad things about Philadelphia, that we get to go back there. And, man, David Akers got it done. Like, David Akers and Jason Kelsey, that's back-to-back bomb speeches. Back-to-back. I mean, I I, I want to cover really quick because uh, I, I texted you this. Um, it, it was a thing leading up to the draft. Rich Eisen said that the rumor, the, the rumor was that the, the guy oh, that yeah, was going to come out to, to announce the, uh, Eagles pick 
was going to, you know, be a potential all-time memory for the NFL draft. Mm. And so I like to go, you know, absolutely off off the wall. And I was like, yo, what if it was T.O.? Like, what if Terrell Owens walks out in Dallas and announces the draft pick for the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles? He played so both I, teams. He, he did. He probably, he probably wears like a split jersey or some nonsense. Yep. Well, remember, too, if his um his background photo on Twitter, his banner photo, I don't the middle of it, the middle of it is him as an eagle and so i was like yo what if what if it's him so yeah, of course Jerry i think him- going into the hall of fame as an eagle are we gonna get brian dawkins and- yeah, yeah yeah are we gonna get brian dawkins and terrell owens in the same like or is he going in as a niner i don't, I don't know. know he didn't say he said he wasn't gonna go in as a niner and i would assume really? i would assume well, yeah like what if mm. no he i i heard he's actually gonna go in as a cincinnati Bengal. He's going to try to go in with uh, Chad Ochocinco Johnson. No, Man. but uh, I, I tweeted it, and I tagged him in it, and he liked it. And then I was like, wait, wait a second. Could it be? And, of course, it wasn't. Well, we never got to find out because we never traded to out find the first out, round. So which is amazing. So now I'm just going to hope that it was going to be T.O. because I would have hated that. Why? Because I, Because I'm glad that the only Philadelphia speech that was made was David Akers. I didn't want it to be T.O. and David Akers. I just wanted one. And it was great. T.O.'s would have clouded up David Akers' shine. Instead, it gave it a runway. And the Eagles were a part of getting Lamar Jackson drafted in the first round. So even if he's great or whatever, we were a part of it. And they got a second-round pick next year, which is awesome. So we have two second-round picks next year. I love all of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I obviously am not the uh, the biggest college football fan here. So... Yes. As I was looking through this, like I have no idea who Avante Maddox is. I saw that you were, you know, absolutely over the moon about Josh. Is it Josh Sweat? Is oh, it Sweet? Is it Sweat? Sweat, Sweat. Uh, so here, Matt, Matt Pryor. No, no. I'm, yeah, so I'm saying the seventh round pick. I did some digging on the seventh round pick, but but tell me about this fourth. You didn't do they got. some digging. There are certain guys that always get featured because the mainstream media like certain stories. So a like six foot ten rugby player, six foot eight. Is, Whatever he is, he's going to catch people. To remember, remember the the wide receiver from Germany, Moritz Boehringer, and they were all up in arms. Yo, that man never made the team. So those stories to me, I don't get too excited about. It's like that'll be on Channel Six with Jamie Apodi. Like uh, I'm not interested in that. I'm trying to win Super Bowls, but. Um, the second round, the Avante Maddox kid, I obviously haven't watched a ton, but anytime I see a dude with a C on his chest at a college university, he's the captain, and he's the dude leading the charge before the game, and I see him jumping routes, and they tell me that he's probably better in the slot, like it's a negative, when we just lost Patrick Robinson and need a guy in the slot, I was like, love it, and he's got return value, the dude looks fast, and he ran a 4-3-2, Russ. Do you know how many guys that, in the NFL ran like a... Was that a real combine thing, or was that his pro day? No, it's just com- it was a combine. Okay. Do you know what that is? That's, that's fast, fast as hell. That's that's beyond fast. That's what we like to call hawking speed. We're like, oh no, Saquon Barkley is running away. You're like, oh crap, here comes Avante Maddox. That's wild. Um, and Josh Sweat. This is how me and Sims work. Because I don't like to prepare him a lot because I think he's funnier when he doesn't know what I'm going to ask him. And so I asked him, I just said, I need one guy that you're not seeing any mock draft that you're like, is everybody dumb as hell? Who are they missing out on? And he was like, Josh Sweat, hands down. He's like, I called all my coaches friends, like, what am I missing? And he in like high school had such a bad injury that they were like, oh man, he might have to get his leg amputated. It's been a number of years since then. This was a five-star recruit. 
that went to Florida State. He's a rush end that Sims says play, plays over the nose like five or six times a game, which means he's incredibly strong, but he's not going to have to do that in the NFL. So I think what Josh Sweat is going to be is if Steven Means looked as good as he did in preseason in the NFL. So like Steven Means always goes in there and gets like a sack late in games in the preseason, but he just can't make the team because he's not that physically impressive. This guy is actually that physically impressive. I think he's going to be awesome. And uh, man, they're just, they're making good picks and getting Darren Sproles back fixes the running back gap. So they didn't need to draft one. I just think that Darren Sproles has about like eight to 10 games left in him. That's my only concern. I just think that um, our young man, what's, uh, what's the young dude's name? Chris, Chris Clement. That's the man. How drunk are you? I'm not drunk. Yeah. I've uh, I just had a manicure and a pedicure, so I'm super relaxed. Oh, yeah, so right. Nice. But I'm just gonna say I think Chris Clement or Corey Clement. I think Corey. Oh my Clement, god! I, yeah, I said no. You said Chris. I, I did say Clement. Okay. Corey Clement is going to be our feature back for the next five years. That's my that's my bold prediction. So I have, I have two questions, concerns. So linebacker, I thought was still a need. I thought it was still a position still that they would need. have that they would have considered going after. And the other one is tackle. Like obviously, sixth and seventh round picks. They took Matt Pryor out of TCU. They picked Jordan Mailata, uh, who was an Australian rugby player, who I am super hyped about. He ran a five one two forty at his pro day, which would have made him the number seven fastest offensive tackle at the combine. Yo, how so often? The how hype often, is so How often are our tackles going to run forty yards straight? Uh, I don't know. Is he going to replace Jason Kelsey? Because then he's going to be going out to the outside, and he's going to be, you know, going second level blocking. Why does no one? Why does no one think that Holly Puli Vadi Vitae it can't be our left tackle of the future? I didn't say he couldn't be. I'm just saying. But I'm just like, saying, I, like we don't. Then we did. We don't need it. We needed a tight end so badly because we lost Trey Burton and Brent Selleck retired. That offense last year was so based on double tight ends or even triple tight end sets. So to replace them with Richard Rodgers in free agency coming from Green Bay, not a great pass catcher. He might get like 20 to 25 balls, but he's a fantastic run blocker, and he's a big dude, which is what Brent Selleck was. So you replace Brent, then you have to replace Trey, and that's what you need from Dallas Goddard. Now, the thing about Trey Burton is he just got a lot of money, but he wasn't that when we drafted him. He was a fifth-round wide receiver tight end hybrid. Dallas Goddard is a true 6'6", tight end it's going to be him and Ertz I mean we we were going to be very multiple position versatile Alshon uh, I don't know how much Mike Wallace has but we probably need a speed guy but we'll see we'll see it's really going to be how much he's got in the tank too all right no Uh, it's Sixers Sixers. where are you watching the game on Monday I'm gonna be at home Mm. I'm looking forward to it it's gonna be good have you been superstitious no no, because I think they're 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 the superior team. Like I think the only time that you really should be superstitious about anything is if you think you're going to lose. Well, which, I think the Celtics is going to be interesting because yeah, it's going to be a tighter series than people think. But not even that. Jason Tatum mm-hmm. shots at the process. Mm-hmm. There are three coaches. I heard this on uh, rights to Ricky Sanchez. So props to those guys. It's been cool to watch them from the beginning. I've been listening to them like. Not a lot because I can't do it all the time. And the process, I had to zone out for a little bit. But I definitely listened to like an episode two or three back in the day. But they said that there were three coaches that are still hired. And it was like Budin, it was uh, uh, the Clippers. Um, what's his name? 
No, that's Doc Rivers. Yeah, that's what I mean. The three that are remaining are Doc Rivers, Brett Brown, and... Uh, Brad Stevens. And Brad Stevens. Yep. That's crazy. The Celtics and us have had a completely different journey. Dude, it's been perfect. LeBron is getting old and tired. Tonight he came out and said, I'm tired. The Warriors... Well, he also played practically every minute of that game. Yeah. He only played every, is, every minute but one through three quarters, and then the fourth quarter he had cramps. I feel the same way about the Sixers that I, do, that I did about the Eagles where I was happy if the Eagles got to the Super Bowl. If they won, it was a bonus. If the Sixers get to the championship, I'm very, very excited because I think they're capable of that. If they win it, I'm not expecting that. Maybe next year. But Yeah, yeah I mean, this this is a tough series. Like Kyle and I have been going back and forth about this for a while, but like the Boston series has the potential, I think, to go seven games. It depends. I mean, a lot of it comes down to this. Uh, if nothing else, it should probably go to six. If in game one, Bellinelli and Ilyasova are knocking down the Man. shots that they made in the Miami series, at least through the first two games, then it's a short series. Like, if you can go to Boston and steal both games, it's over. Like, it might not actually leave Philly. It could very well be a sweep. If you go up there in game one, steal it, game two is a little bit close, and maybe, like, you get beaten by, like, Jalen Brown off the ball uh, in the fourth quarter or something like that. Uh, and that extends the series, and then you go and you you finish it off in Game Five or or you know Game yeah, Six that's at all, home. Like that's all math. they have, they have the potential to you that's know. That's all I, math. What is Russ? I look at it like I know this. you don't like math. No, no. Here's here's how I look at this series: the Morris twin, yeah, whichever one he is, Marcus, mm-hmm. the one that's from Philly. They're early. No, I know, but I, the other one that's there. Okay, I know the other one's like in Washington. He is going to test Ben Simmons. He tested him during the season. Mm-hmm. And he is going to be the Jonathan Sim- the uh, Jonathan Johnson, whatever his name was. What was the guy from Miami? Johnson. James Johnson. Johnson. James Johnson, yeah, yeah. I'm Not Tyler off. Johnson. He's the one that was missing the tooth. Exactly. That guy was a hot. He looked like the meth dealer. Yeah. It was, yeah. Oof. Man, I don't even know what he was doing. Uh, but that guy, he's going to be the rough guy on Ben Simmons this series. I just, who do they even try to put on Embiid? It's going to be Al Horford. The, oh. That's but see that's not even the matchup to to be concerned about. I mean like wing wing player wise like this is going to be the thing to to kind of cue in on. It's going to be all about guard and wing depth. Like Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, um, and even to some extent Terry Rozier. Or if you know Marcus Smart, I think is going to be the guy that is going to go into. Uh, I think he's going to be up in Bellinelli's grill. He's going to be in Reddick's grill. Reddick got taken out of the series at different points in this Miami series until he was able to get himself clear off ball uh, once. I think it was Tyler Johnson came off. That's like the one. That's the one thing that you have to kind of worry about because Marcus Smart was somebody that they didn't think was going to be back for this series. He's back now. He's a good defensive guard, and any any you know, points that they get from him is going to be a bonus. But like defensively, like yeah, they're going to punch you in the mouth, and that's why Miami was such a good start for them. Like if you'd gone up against Milwaukee in the first round or something, that's not a team that's going to punch you in the mouth. That's the team that's going to give you free reign of the open court. And so like this is another reason why like I'm a little bit worried about the concept of Markel Fultz playing because. They're going to full court press him. Like Brad Stevens is smart enough to instill. He didn't play instill. last season, last huh. series. He's yeah, not he coming in. He did. He, he barely. He came did in against not towards Miami. the tail end of the series because yeah, they, when they, they were winning, yeah, when Embiid was back. That's what we have now, dude. Do you know who the best Sixer is right now? The best, number one rated Sixer, Dario Saric. No, well, Dario's good. Dario's really good. I wouldn't say he's Dario the best. is the guy in the second half. That takes the soul out of people. Because he doesn't stop. When they go to that United Nations lineup, and it's Ilyasova, and it's Bellinelli, and it's Dario, man, 
He is just, he's the guy that just dunks it right in their face. It's the best. And I want him to tear apart Boston. Man, we're up against Bet. We're up against Bill Simmons. We're up against all the Boston nonsense again. Yep, it's gonna took be exciting. Him, took him down in the Super Bowl, and now we're gonna take him down on this. That's the thing that, that's maybe and they the most just, exciting. And they're gonna and all we're gonna hear is, man, this series would be great if Kyrie was playing. Man, this series would be great if Gordon Ramsay was playing. Gordon Hayward. I know that's not his name. You're I said that. On, I said that on purpose. Oh, oh God, you're in rare form. I have uh, one. I have one minute left. What should we talk about? Uh, I don't know. Well, what's going on with uh, what's going on with Bleacher Report? <laughs> I wanted to get it in <laughs> once so there could be a sip. Uh, oh, good idea. Bleacher Report. Tell me. Tell the people. It feels like your podcast went from being like once a week to like every day, three times a day. What the draft hell? draft was big, uh, which was awesome. Um, it's just the the internet's funny. It's just all about how you spread your stuff. Um, mm. That's that's one thing I would say to anybody out there that's doing writing or that's doing podcasting or whatever. It's like, Rush, you're about to do a 30 to an hour long podcast and you're going to release it as a podcast. What I would recommend is I would break it down into segments and I'd push it out like that because it's more digestible for, excuse me, for real life human beings. Um, you know, I think I think we can live in two to five minute clips. I think that. Um, if you have time for a podcast, that's awesome. But I just think about how you split it up and, uh, that's, that's part of it, but no, we're doing a lot of shows and, um, we're coming up right now with a new show between, uh, Sims and myself. It's going to be, if the podcast is Sims and Lefko talking, then the show is going to be Sims and Lefko doing things with athletes. So, um, that's going to be doing a lot of that this summer, which is going to be so a fun. nice video crossover component. Exactly. Because I'm better in video. I mean, Rush, you got to see me with a tan, bro. It's fucking impressive. When's the last time you had a good tan? Because what I, the, the I got recent, one right now. I got one right now. The most recent video I saw of you standing by the table, I was not a, I was not feeling a tan vibe. Mm, well, I'm gonna look. I think like you a, need to become I'm the extra like crispy a, Colonel. You guys need KFC like to damn, sponsor that podcast. I'm gonna look like a damn Kalamata olive when I'm done. It'll be Ooh. good. Ooh, that'll be nice. All right, I'm one minute over. Rush, right. I love you. You go have fun on your date. Yes, thank you. Um, go Sixers. I'm going to say Sixers in uh, seven. You just and, said that it's not going to go seven games. No, I did. You said when, it's not going to go when seven. When I said seven, you said it's not going to go seven. You can you can listen back. I will. Um, but I'm going Sixers in seven. And we'll talk after the next series. All right, sounds good. Perfect. Love you, buddy. See Uh, and I'm not. I have. I can't find a stud. Like literally, the only. The, literally, the only thing do I can do with this. And literally, the only thing it ever finds is me. Like I, that's that's all it does. That's a terrible joke. I use that one myself. It is. It is. And but the funny thing is, like, the only good. The only thing I could actually do with the stud finder is the stud finder joke. I can't actually find a a wooden stud. Why would you not just use the butterfly screw? Well, like it, use the brackets. Like. You hammer them in, you put the I, I know, screw in, and it expands. Like, what do you do? I explain you. Those are worse. I cannot hang shit. Um, and you can't use the butterfly ones for furniture latches. Like, you have to put those into studs for safety. So, I'm, um, you know, 
uh, I'm I'm out. I need assistance on that. It's okay. I've come to the I'm, terms I'm with worried the fact about that I'm not handy. I'm just not. I'm worried about you. This yeah. is not this is not good for you because uh, you're useless with appliances. You're you're useless with the laundry. Um, I feel bad for your wife. I mean, if you, if you can't find a stud and you can't, you know, securely anchor your kid's furniture, I don't know what good you are. Like, seriously, she might actually be, she, you're, you're like having another kid. You're like what? a big kid. Like, this is the problem. Like, you're, you're not only just like having a kid, you're like, you're, you're actually disappointing because like a little kid, you don't expect them to have the dexterity or like the, the wherewithal to be able to find a stud. But I would almost venture a guess that your son could probably you know, have better, better luck finding a stud. I'm, this is not good for you. We, you need to I find won't. a redeemable quality. You need I to won't. become like a world-class chef at this point. Like give her something that makes it worth her while. I, I am very, I'm very Couple worried about you. I actually, I do some of the Hello Freshes. Now, granted, they're not. That um, is not you know. cooking. Okay. Well, it, it is cooking. You're just following directions, but they're shipping you, you know, raw vegetable. I, like, I know, but it's not. Okay. I get it. I get what you're saying. It's not making something from scratch. I do do very well on the Weber. Very, I'm very good on the Weber. Now, I have Weber cookbooks, and I follow them to the T, but I could usually stick the landing on most of those. I, I'm great with a light bulb. I put in great. I put in a mean ceiling light bulb. We got some of those Hue light bulbs. Got up on the ladder this fall. Got them in. Um, but I will say about the stud, and we can move on after this. Um, we had a painter here in the fall. And after the, we had a relatch, I had latched the TV and the TV stand in the family room. That had previously been done. And me and my dad had done it, and we put a lot of holes in the wall, but we got it eventually. Well, once it got painted, we wanted to move it a little. So it got painted over, and we had to find this stud again. I couldn't find it. The painter, who is a handyman on the side, was here, and he couldn't find the stud. I don't know if it's we have thick sheetrock. I don't know what's going on. But, um, yeah, my dad couldn't find We had stud finders out. We eventually got the TV secured because that was a mandatory. But What if the people I mean, who built your house just didn't do a good job? Like, what if you're missing studs? Like, if you're no, supposed to have a stud every, what is it, every every 6 to 12, 12. inches? No, every 12 inches? Like, if you don't, if you if you really can't find them, like, what if they're not there? Like, what if the contractor is just like, ah, eh, you know what, this guy will never know. He doesn't look that handy. He just, he, like, did a once-over on you. And he's like, ah, oh, we'll do them every, like, 36 inches. Like, that'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong? Well, I'm here's, worried here's now. The, no, this here's not the funny good, part. Kyle. No, no. I have pictures because we came up as the house was being built a bunch. I have pictures. I, there are studs there. They're to code. I have pi- The crazy thing is I have pictures of where the studs are. So I would go off the outlet. So I purposely went around the house even after the electrical was done. So I have pictures of the studs, where the wires are, where the vents are so we don't hit anything. And even knowing where the stud was located off of the outlet. No, okay, it's right to the right of the outlet. We still missed it. That's how bad I am at studs. Like you, That gate in the kitchen that you've seen... I know we know the stud is there because I have a picture of the outlet affixed to the stud on its right, and we kept missing it. It's funny though, my old house, which uh, you know I was that's you know it was thirty year old house in our kitchen. We went to hang stuff. I couldn't find a stud. I had my father in law was very good. He couldn't find a stud. Turns out they did not have studs to code. There was like studs every twenty four inches or something at our old house. So I'm I'm amazed that it stood. It's still standing for thirty some years since the eighties. But they def. I think our our I think our kitchen wall in the old house was just like plaster. They really, they really skimped there. Um, yeah, I'm not good at. It. I'm I'm not. You know, it is what it is. I do a good yard. I, I cut a good. I can cut a good grass. 
I mean, we have service to it, but I can cut it. <laughs> I'm going to take over the backyard this summer. We're, oh, no. Our backyard needs a lot of work, so I'm going to take over the cutting because they keep <sighs> chunking our thing. So I'm going to take the. I'm going to take over the. I worry that that the more you talk about your personal life on this podcast, the more that people realize they really can't identify with you. I don't know if it helps your brand or if it hurts it. I know. I think they can. I'm going to take over. I'm telling you, I'm taking over the backyard this year. Oh, it's going to look kick ass. Thank God. I mowed a lot at our old house. I'm a good mower. I enjoy, I like a mowing. I like to mow. Uh, boy, oh boy. So, so yeah, are we going to talk is, about is, how the well, Sixers got no ham? Okay, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the schedule came out though, and it it is it's it, like I don't get it at all. This is a marquee matchup of two clubs that uh, you know have really turned it around in recent years. I know that Boston, you know, had the big three. They went through a little bit of a phase that they looked like they were going to be similar to the Sixers. They acquired a lot of top draft picks. They looked like they were going to have to build organically through the draft. And then lo and behold, you know, you have a treasure trove of uh, of picks and such and good young players, and you're able to go out and get a guy like Kyrie Irving. You're able to use your former college coach in Brad Stevens to recruit Gordon Hayward, who hasn't played uh, except for, like, what, one game in the beginning of the year. And all of a sudden, Boston went from being a team that looked like what the Sixers were going to be to a, a team that, you know, is is a long-term competitor, a long-term contender in this conference. And you've got all of the, uh, I'm sure that like all of the clips that are going to be leading into this, all the video packages to this Philly-Boston series are going to go back to Dr. J. We're going to see the choke out. I'm sure that's going to be like the number one image shown when they uh, come back to Philly. It's going to be like the big rivalry. But somehow, somehow they got the worst schedule of any NBA playoff second round series. It's I it's mean, like it's dreadful. There are so many violations. Read, on read the levels. schedule. Go down the first four games are the only ones we actually have times for, like literal times for. But read read the schedule for the first four games. All right. So the first game that we've got is Monday, which uh, you know obviously people are going to be listening to this and then watching the game. Get th- then 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 they don't play again until Thursday. Okay. I don't have it. Leave out the times are the important. Okay. Part. Sorry. I'll eight o'clock. It. Eight o'clock on Monday. Okay. 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 So 8 o'clock is fine. I don't mind that. It's on TNT. Just read the schedule, and then we'll talk. Thursday, Thursday, May 3rd, 8.30 p.m. in Boston, TNT. Then Saturday, 5 p.m., Boston on e- uh, in Philly uh, on ESPN. They come back Monday with uh, Game 4 in Philly on TNT. Then Wednesday, on the road at Boston, if it gets to a Game 5. The Sixers yeah, then it's fine. Wednesday, Friday, yeah, Sunday fine. with but TV. But the, the Monday-Thursday Monday thing is awful. But the other awful part of this that was brought up in our Slack chat is that Game 4 in Philadelphia is at 6 o'clock. This is an affront. Allow me to sound like Tony Bruno for a second. Because seriously, this is an affront to sports fans. I know if you're a half-assed West Coast fan of an L.A. team and you have 5 p.m. start times for major playoff games, 5.30 start times in basically every sport. I mean, occasionally you'll get 9 o'clock in, I guess, you know, basketball. At times they'll do 9, maybe. Um, during playoff games, I'm talking, not about regular season games. But to have a major sports city, a major market that's going to be a major viewing market, to start a fucking game at 6 o'clock, at 6 o'clock, because that's not even like a half a day from work time. If you want to do a baseball game, the division series at 4 p.m., fine. People take half a day at work. That's the bargain. 6 o'clock is like, shit, I got to work a full day of work. And if I'm going to the game, good fucking luck unless you work somewhere center city or below that you can hop on a subway. Because there's just no way you're getting there if you're driving and working a full day of work. That's that's 
absolute poppycock. Um, Good word. You know, honestly, you. though, it's if nothing That's else. That's horseshit. No, it's well, absolute it's gonna, horseshit. It's going to make the the uh, Sixers feel like they're back in Miami. I mean, the only the only difference is that, you know, the Miami games happen at, what, seven or eight, and the but fans I, didn't show up until the second half. But, like, it's it's ridiculous. This Philadelphia, it's almost like it negates home court. It, I mean, I, these, it Boston, these, these Boston yes. games being at eight and eight thirty, like, you know that all of the Boston fans are going to go out and get drunk. They're going to get in fights. They're going to do what, the things that Boston fans do. They're going to use a terrible accent. They're going to get lost. They're going to curse. They're going to, like, be uh, borderline racially insensitive with some of their remarks. They're gonna be like they're gonna be lit in the uh, in the parking lots. The, the Sixers games like okay five o'clock on a Saturday not bad I don't mind oh, that yeah, at no, all that's yeah, fine that's gonna be a, that's good that'll that's be good. that, that like, crowd that's will be tuned up on that's Saturday. gonna be I think that start that's gonna be fine. a bonkers crowd but like most of the national pundits they've talked about this on Bill Simmons show they talked about it, I think on the Low Post it's been most of the the NBA uh, national podcasts have been talking about. The crowd in Philadelphia. I mean, on a lot of these shows, they've been saying that that Philadelphia's crowd is easily number one or number two in the postseason. Uh, like in in terms of the noise, in terms of the atmosphere, the game day environment, the way that the the games are set up, like everything about the experience at the arena. They said Philadelphia is like number two, and in some cases could be number one, like definitely number one in the East. So you are now negating home court in game four, and that could be a pretty pivotal game four. That could be a three one series lead kind of game. And yeah, to your point, like if you're going to work. Imagine going out now buying tickets to this game. Like you're gonna either have to take a half day, or you're gonna have to accept the fact that you're probably not gonna get there until the second half. Well, it's nonsense. About- and 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 like uh-uh. again, I I understand what you're saying about the West Coast, but like this is a thing that I I just don't get. Usually it feels like they push these Eastern Conference games late so that the West Coast can at least see part of it. This doesn't even make sense from that standpoint. Now you're talking about a three o'clock afternoon game for anybody who's watching on the West Coast. Well, because so they want to like, put so, the Cleveland game in. Well, uh, Cleveland's prime time that night, right? Which Cleveland, is Toronto. freaking ridiculous. Is, well, because if you watch, I know that LeBron is the guy that gets it going, Kyle. But like th- that series, you're talking about Toronto. Yeah. To, like the the ratings in terms of like what I guess we're gonna see via ESPN or TNT or whatever, I don't think they're going to come anywhere close to what a Sixers-Celtics thing is going to go. Remember, like these are two original teams. These all right. This is a storied, a storied rivalry. They're, like it, I don't like it at all. I think it's all bad right, well, it's, it's bad choice by the league. All right, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, so let's, let's rewind it a little bit for, for a second. I The LeBron is tough. Like I, I find less fault with the fact that they're moving Cleveland-Toronto. You got the number one team in the conference – arguably and versus lebron james so arguably arguably the top two teams in the conference i don't fault that they want to put that on in prime time i also think that you have two of the biggest maybe the two most intense sports markets with a storied rivalry with two teams right now certainly in the sixers who have major national appeal Major, and I'm not just—that's not a homer thing. I mean, they—they are—they've got to be one of the top four teams outside LeBron, outside the Warriors, in in the playoffs. I, I probably number three, right? Um, Boston's a little less interesting without Kyrie. I don't think there's a whole lot of national, you know, a national Jason Tatum desire, right? I mean, maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm underselling them. I actually think the Sixers, the Sixers are just better. I mean, I'm watching the Boston team 
play the Bucks, and you, you want to talk about crowds. Like, the difference between a Bucks crowd and screw Wes Edens and his whole results thing, the difference between those, like, Midwest sort of crowds and the Philly and the Northeast crowds, when they cheer, it's like a very light cheer. It's like the sort of cheer you would get at a at a conference or at a, um, you know, like a, like a if you're watching a speaker or at a show. It's, like, very positive. It's very light. In Philly, and I would say in Boston, but in Philly more than any other city, you get this, like... There's this visceral growl even to the cheers. Like it, it's not just a polite like, yay, I'm excited. It's like a, it's a relief of emotions. If I could play you the sounds from Philly, from Milwaukee, from Cleveland, from Golden State, and I guarantee you would be able to pick out Philly just by the, the sound of the cheer. I don't know, that, that's an aside on your, your thing about Philly fans because, you know, I think ever, all of us listening are going to be in agreement on that. It's just different here. You know, for what it's worth, but, though, like what, what you're saying about like why they would theoretically want to put the best, the quote, best team in the conference, unquote, against, you know, the best player in the game. Like I get that. But also remember, like I, there, this Toronto part of this has nothing to do with it. Toronto, right. Toronto, Toronto is versus, to everybody. That's what I'm saying. Like Toronto versus yeah. Washington. Those those games, a lot of them, or at least a few of them, started on ESPN News. The games, two of them were on NBA TV, ESPN Two. There was ESPN News. Nobody cared about Toronto. They don't they don't count in the ratings. I'm looking at a tweet. I don't know who this guy is. He's a a radio host at uh, 105.3 The Fan somewhere. Um, he said that on I guess the 23rd or whatever, looking at the Sunday the Sunday TV ratings, uh, the Wizards Raptors had a 1.7 overnight rating. That was behind Rangers, Mariners, American Idol, Cavs, Pacers, nearly tripled it, NCIS, LA, Instinct, and Madam Secretary. So, like, yeah, I, I don't I don't see any kind of a ratings grab here. It's just, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, they really think that LeBron is going to draw that many more fans? Like, I, I guess he will. I guess people love and think, hate LeBron so much. It's just stupid. The only thing I can think, and this is, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the odds here. I think the Sixers are minus 450, right? I thought they were I, minus 300 today. You might be right. Um, I, I, this that one might actually be a series. The that could be a seven game series. Now, granted, you're only talking about games three and four here. I, I honestly think Sixers win in five. And this is what I was getting to before I got sidetracked on the Bucks thing. Boston had a a relatively hard time with the Bucks, who, as I think you said, it's 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 Giannis and trash and like trash around him, or like some sort of amalgam of a team. They're not good, and Boston beat them, and yeah, but. And Boston is certainly better than the Heat. They're certainly better than the Bucks. They're just they're not on the level of the Sixers. I don't think they're going to be able to match the firepower. And I'm I'm I think what the Heat did was brilliant. And that's probably the only way to beat the Sixers with significantly lesser talent. Boston has more talent than the Heat. I don't think they're going to be able to get to really disrupt the Sixers the way the Heat were. And I don't know how much more talent they actually have at the end of the of the day. Than Miami? I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, they, look, yeah, they have they, more talent. They do. But I think what they have more in talent, they have less of in the junk that the Heat. I mean, the Heat were a very good defensive team this season, and you know they were they were able to do things and basically sacrifice themselves for the good of themselves. And you know, screw playing basketball. Let's just you know play street ball here. Um, I, like I think this could be a five game series. That's the only thing I'm thinking. The Sixers might be such obvious favorites here that. You're you're playing a team, yeah, they're the number two seed, but they're without their best player. 
and he is the draw. I think if Kyrie's playing, it's a different story. Anyway, to put a bow on it, the Monday 6 o'clock game is bullshit, not just for the people going, which is the worst, because you talk about how the crowd was tuned up for those 8 o'clock start times. When uh, Dana and I went to game two, I said to her, I was like, this is awesome. I have not sat in the Wells Fargo Center in years where a crowd has been seated 15 minutes before the anthem rocking. That is old Flyers. That reminded me of an old Flyers Spectrum crowd, like a 1995 Flyers Rangers crowd, where I remember going to a Saturday afternoon game. You sat down, and it was like 10 minutes. The players, the Zambonis, were, were had just come on the ice after pregame skate, and the, the stadium is uh, the arena is rocking. Everyone seated, everyone ready to go. This is during a time. I know this sounds like you know back in my day. This is during a time before all this loud, blaring bullshit from the scoreboard. It was just people there ready to blow the roof off the building, and that's sort of what it felt like, minus the loud, blaring scoreboard that the Sixers do a. It's a necessary evil, but at least they do a decent job with it. Um, that is what an eight o'clock start time allows. That I mean, we got there at like six thirty. We got dinner, and you know, I mean, the place was packed, and people were like packed like sardines, just trying to get in when the doors opened. You can't do that. Move games used to start at seven thirty. Again, back in my day, Phillies games would be at seven thirty. Flyers games, at least that gave you that extra half hour to show up, park. Get in the game, get something to eat, get a beer, and sit down in the seat bef- without missing anything. Seven o'clock, as it is, is really tough for the regular season games. So I said to her, I was like, thank God the playoffs, at least they're eight o'clock, they're prime time. It gets people a chance to get in. You don't have to worry about missing the start of the game. You can still get a bite to eat and then be ready to go. Six o'clock is bullshit. And that stadium, it's going to look ridiculous. And I know people are going to do what they got to do to get there, but it's going to be such a crush trying to get down there. Say nothing of people who want to watch on TV. Got to get home. It's in smack dab in the middle of dinner time. And, you know, even for people in Boston, same deal. And 5 o'clock Saturday, I'm fine with that. It's a Saturday game. It could be whatever time. I'm disappointed because it's on during the Derby. Uh, so I'm a big, we're having a little Ooh, Derby party cares. here. No, but uh, you're so a, white. Uh, yeah, I know. I know, but you are so white suburban. The derby, the derby's a, it's a fun. It's you gonna, a fun. You're gonna put on the hat. You're gonna wear a hat. You're gonna wear a suit. Yeah, we are having a hat party. What's we the drink? Hat party. What's the drink? Mint juleps. You gonna have mint julep? I am. I'm actually gonna do a Woodford. I'm gonna go out and buy a Woodford <laughs> oh, Reserve. Yeah. It's the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby, so you got to do it right. I have never made a mint julep, so I'm looking forward to this. The race does go off till about six fifteen, which might actually be halftime, so it could work out well. But we're bringing TVs outside. Uh, we're we're gonna be good to go. But now it's got to be TVs because you got a five o'clock game. That's disappointing, but we can work around that. You like to build up. You like to see. You like to see him trot out the horses. Don't you care. You like to see Bob Costas give his poem. You like to see that guy Bob Baffert. Nope. You like to see the owner who looks like he beats his wife. You like to see the other guy who owns a car dealer. You like to see the the you know the one over who's got the thick New York accent. You like to see the horse who's got like a little thing wrong with him, or he's too small, and then they trot the horse out, and the one horse kicks, and they get in the starting gate, and. Yeah, I really want to know on Twitter if people agree with you, if they really love all the buildup, or if they're like me and they're just like, yo, let me know when the when the race starts. No, I don't care about any of the buildup. I think no, I think the whole thing's no, it's just so overdone. It like it to me, it's almost like the uh the NCAA tournament selection show. It's like, guys, just just give me the info. Give me the race. 
Like what they say and I love that it the goes off. The, like the, the, but the race it's starts. Like the race actually goes off at like what six twenty. But they say coverage starts at three p.m. What the hell? Do, what do you need three hours of coverage leading you up? Gotta see you the hat. Oh, here's here what, comes here, the I'll, jockey. Oh, he's wearing red and black checkered shirt today. And and typically, uh, historically, uh, red and black checkered has been worn by three out of the last seventeen winners of the Derby. It's like, all right, who listen, cares? So I'm gonna give you Guys, the Derby. I'm gonna give you your Derby cares? drinking game. Your Derby drinking game. You got the. Uh, Hispanic named uh, jockey who they do a these are all like pre-packages they do a and package he happens to be on, small right That's he, yeah, he was born works, in like right? a hut you know his father was like a wolf his mother was a was a mare and then he somehow is like drug himself he fell off a horse once and he almost broke his spine and he came back and this is his big shot and he's riding the favorite okay he wants scoliosis and he has returned <laughs> yeah. he he's actually six. bent over like this the entire time even when he gets off the horse quasimodo was his favorite he could relate he associated he visualized Go ahead. You're you're gonna get you're gonna get they're gonna send it down to the guy remotely who's gonna go into the bar where they're making the official the official mint julep and then they're gonna show you the expensive one that they're using the high end bourbon on. Uh, and they're gonna tell you how it's like a hundred dollars and they're gonna show you how they crush the ice. That's a good five minutes. They're gonna interview that bot that white haired guy that looks like George Seifert, the old 49ers coach. He's got a whole, Bob Batford or whatever the fuck his name is. I hate that guy. I hate that guy, but they're going to interview him. He's always got one of the top horses. Then you get like the seedy owners, you know, you get the feel good story. The whole family's there. Then you get the other owner who like, you know, he looks like he's a little bit shady. You'll do a little bit of that. They'll talk about the horse that was sick. They'll talk oh about God. the undersized horse. They'll walk the worst the part stables, is that you're right about parade this. them around. Yeah, no. But the real yeah, question Bob is, will Jim, Bob Nance, will Jim Nance, oh wait, will Bob Costas come out and give his tie to the jockey? No, that's Go a ahead. Nance thing, man. I know. That's what. No, no I know. It's yeah, an NBC. No, he does his poem. He's got his contractually mandated. Hey, poem. speaking of NBC, because I'm, I really cool. don't want to talk the any more about the, the derby. Chug a beer. He'll chug How a beer. about Tom Brokaw? Was he in your? Uh, was he in your pool of the let next me, guy to get accused? Let me let me test. No, let me test something out here. Dana, Dana. Okay, good. My wife's not in here. I wanted to see if I could do the Brokaw without feeling embarrassed. Um, <laughs> I feel embarrassed for you already. Well, so the woman went on Variety and she gave an interview and she said he came to his hotel room and she's, you know, and eventually Let's she's Let's not get catching. too graphic. No, no, no. She, no, she, nothing actually happened but she said he's, you know, he's coming on to her, he's coming on to her, coming on to her. <laughs> on to Okay. Her. And, <laughs> and he's, and she says, well, you know, what do you want? And this is the most bro call line ever. He looks at her and he says, hold a fire of more than fleeting affection. Only Tom, like, I actually believe this chick because n- there's no one else could come up with that line other than Tom Brokaw. Perhaps Bob Costas, but if he wasn't there, then it was Tom Brokaw who said that. No woman thinks up in a, an affair of more than fleeting affliction. That's, that's got Brokaw written. His stains are all oh over God. this one. He just, had, he just had such a fiery response to it. it was, yeah, that his was res- something. His response was excellent. But it right, wasn't so as public. It wasn't actually his statement. It was his, he knew it was going to get leaked, so he emailed it to like all of NBC News. I appreciate his fire, and I don't actually blame him here. There you were also typos in there. There was punctuation out of place. I was disappointed. It was 4 a.m. He's like 80 years old, and it was 4 a.m. I'm just sitting here. I, I was at a brewery, brewery, Tom Brokaw. I'm sitting at my typewriter as I prepare for what is going to be the last thing I ever write in my life. She has come after me, come after me one more time. It is very upsetting 
that my journalistic integrity has been called into question. I also try. We got away with so much more in those days, and this was the thing they remember. No, but, I mean, you somehow went into Merrill Reese. Yeah, it's a, really it's a nice little crossover. I didn't do without any of the suds. Speaking of this, tasty cakes, the number one thing in the city of brotherly love. Wait, you got to pause to look down to, to check the name of what you're reading. I'm looking oh. out at the Eagles' first round draft pick. His name was Dallas Goddard. Mike, any thoughts about Dallas Goddard? You know what, Merrill? I, I always thought that he was a really good player at South Dakota State. Thank you, Mike, and we will be right back. On the Eagles pregame show. All right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, your your mic could use a little work. All right, um, all right, that's fine. No, but he, uh, yeah, he, he did go in the Merrill, and let's I apologize the, for that. Let's, let's get off the Brokaw. Okay, okay so, one so last back, point. Can we go back to the Sixers? One last point. Back? I didn't think it was that bad. Like, yeah, he like he was he was coming on to her. It, it, he didn't threaten her job. It sounded like he recommended her for a job after that. Like at Fox News and Roger, the Roger Ailes part of this was interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, he probably could have left Roger Ailes' name out of it. Not gonna lie, but but the whole Me Too thing. Like, look, bad stuff happened to people. I think Bro Call was just like he was making a little pass at her. She said no, and he left. Like. It happened, and it was 20 years ago, and now you sit on and try and, like, ruin the guy right before he croaks? Like, let it go. This wow. isn't Bill Cosby. This isn't Matt Lauer. You know, by the way, I love how Bill Cosby turned blind, like, right when, oh, yeah, I can't, I can't see. Dude, I'm, so, I'm so sad sorry I had for to retire me. that impression. I'm so sad. You don't have to retire I used that. to. Do, I did a fantastic Bill Cosby impersonation. I have to get rid of it now. I how just can't. How did he feel after he was? I'm um, not. I refuse. That, why? Nope. You can make because, fun of him. Because he's, now he's guilty. No, you can absolutely make fun of him. Then he deserves to be made fun of. No, no. They said there was not... an outburst. They said there was an outburst that the prosecutor after the conviction ran down came down, and I'm like, how is it? How was his outburst anything other than hey, hey, hey? That's no, but like the bro call thing, like you know, there's a line between like, you know, look, he was married. I'm not I, look, excusing, but it's not a crime to you know if to have an affair i mean it's, if yeah was... it's it's a messed up it's a messed up situation but like if anything it, it sounded like the accusations that were made are are at at worst they're sexual harassment but like they're not it, it's not to the level of uh like the the marshall falk and whatever not the other guy's close. name was at, at, at like nfl network like those or nfl films or whichever one it was like those those things are like atrocious and like Obviously, any kind of sexual harassment is not good. It's not condoned. It's and I'm, we're not trying to minimalize it here, but like, I like I, I don't know the way that Brokaw I'm sure was someone so tell us we are. But. Well, like the way that Brokaw so vehemently denied it and was just fiery about it to me screams that like I don't know, man. Like the fact that he got her a job at, at Fox and like it's just, I, I don't she know. She turned him down Whatever. and he got her a job. Like the whole point of the of the movement is. Guys using their position of power to not only, you know, whatever, but to also, like, compel that person and, and in a way, like, it, it threaten them either explicitly or implicitly. And this is not, like, there, there's no law. I don't even think there's no, like, workplace law. I think individual businesses might have this. But bosses can date their subordinates, you know, as long as it's done as two, you know, consenting adults. And what has sounded like happened here is, like, she said no and he left. Like, okay, it you know, I... I don't know. It's not anyway, as let's it's get not as clear sisters. as the yeah 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 yeah. I was going to do so, the Aziz Ansari thing where it was just some girl who didn't even work with that he was like, like just went home like that's yeah. <laughs> no that's not 
the um you went on a date with a creep it happens yeah it's, it's pretty gross um the the Sixers series um the only thing that i'll say because I, I i've been i've been pretty high up on what boston is even though they don't have kyrie irving you said earlier that you don't think that boston defensively you said something about Bo- that made it sound like boston defensively doesn't stack up quite as as well as uh, miami did which I think I, more I, i'll just than- i'm just going to point out is factually inaccurate they led the league in defensive rating this year um i think their defensive rebounding percentage was in the top five steals per game blocks like they they were a an excellent team defensively and you know i i would i guess point out that they did a lot of that without Kyrie Irving and you know I I think the where I said to Adam in the uh, the first segment of this today is I think the one spot that you're gonna have to really focus in on in this series is wing play between Tatum and Brown those guys in their first round series combined average just under 31 points in a game no I'm sorry 35 points uh, per game between those two I think that Bellinelli is gonna have a good series I'm wondering about if Marcus Smart is going to be the guy that's going to line up with J.J. Redick. Because, we, you know, we had gone back and forth. This was a thing that we talked about in Slack. Redick had a bunch of good games in the series. He had, you know, he was a great leader in a lot of these games. He put up over 20 points in plenty of the games. But it did feel like in, in entire stretches, he was kind of taken out of the game by physical play. I would not be surprised to see Marcus Smart on him. They're obviously not going to run him out against Ben Simmons. That would be stupid. Lengthwise, size-wise, it doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't be too surprised to see them put, like, Jalen Brown um, out there on on Ben it's going like the matchups are going to be interesting, but wing play is is going to be big because that's where I think it, you're not going to lose the series. Um, but I think it's a, it's going to be a spot that's going to keep it close. People seem to still underrate what Jalen Brown is. He's a much better player. Hold on, than before you move on, before for. you move off from defense. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, the point I was trying to make about it wasn't necessarily their skill defensively and their team's ability defensively. It was because I think that's honestly less of a problem. The Sixers are a matchup nightmare. And you kind of can't defend them if they're clicking. The difference in what the Heat did is they really, the Sixers held their cool, but they were willing to play borderline violently. Uh, And, you know, especially the game two and three. Like that, when I say wasn't basketball, like yes, they were, they're good defensively, but they were also willing to just sort of throw like any, any amount of pride they had out the window. And I don't think enough was, was made about how, physically they played the Sixers I mean that series got needlessly physical their hands were in everything like I don't know how there weren't more fouls against them and they were willing to sacrifice a bunch just to slow the Sixers down so I that's what I mean by that I think they were just they wanted to play they wanted to have a fight you know they wanted to play a hockey game and I, as good as the Boston's Celtics gonna, might be, Boston's going to do that maybe, too, too. That's maybe, what I'm but saying. I don't like, think between, they have the players Marcus, with the Marcus Morris isn't going to like Marcus Morris isn't going to go into this game like looking to give up to Joel. Al Horford's not a dirty player. He's going to play physically, but like that's not going to really matter. Um, th- like, right, like that, Horford, that's what I'm kind of getting like, at. Like they don't have that. Edge Tatum doesn't have a hard edge to him, but that's why I'm saying like Marcus Smart coming back for Boston Dragic, is, Johnson, is one of like, the more underrated storylines. Like I'm not saying Marcus Mo- that um, Marcus Smart is a great player. He's not, 
But like in terms of being a good wing defender and and being a guy who's going to make JJ Redick's life a nightmare, potentially Marco Bellinelli's job a nightmare. Like, yeah, I, I think it'll happen. The one thing that I think Philly has the advantage on in terms of guard play is that Bellinelli and Redick will run you ragged. Like you might be able to to outmuscle JJ through the first half, maybe even into the third quarter, or Bellinelli. Like pick your poison there. But by like their off ball movement, they're cutting, they're constantly running their defensive assignments all around the gym. I mean, it's almost like the Chip Kelly offense. They they just play at such a breakneck speed that defensively it's hard to keep up. And that's one thing that Milwaukee did not have um, that could get them prepped. So like where Miami and their kind of dirty play got the Sixers prepared for what Boston could potentially throw at them defensively, uh, there is nobody on Milwaukee's team that can match the speed, the quickness, the the cutting ability, and the run you ragged like Ray Allen used to do, uh, like JJ and, and Marco can. So that's I think one advantage that they'll have. I th- but like I said, I think it's going to be a wing, a wing series. Like down low, the advantage that Philly has with Saric and Embiid is just massive. I mean, it's not even a comparison. Even Bill Simmons, who absolutely loves Al Horford, can't really make the a compelling case that it's going to be close down low. This is like the one thing that I, you know, obviously going to want to see is where Joel's setting up. Is he going to go back to where he was in what game three, where he was more of a perimeter guy, or is it going to be, they're going to dump it down to him. He's going to get guys in foul trouble. That's going to be the one thing that it'll also be nice to see is how is he going to be able to get Al Horford into foul trouble or Marcus Morris? Like, I think you're going to start end up seeing like a lot of, um, a lot of front court depth being challenged. And Boston's going to have to figure out a way to try to stop him. So I've kind of come around to where you were at last week where I, you know, I kept saying these are all the things that we should fear about Boston. Like when you flip the script the way that you kind of said last week, it makes a lot of sense. They they have no way to stop Joel. And honestly, they have no way to stop Ben. So then it comes down to the three remaining positions on the court. And Philly's got to have at least an advantage and I'd say at least one or two of those spots. Well said. I still think they went in five, but well said. I'm going six. That's fine. I, th- yeah. I, I just, you know, they're, you know, let's see. I would look if they win in five, I will be ecstatic. I just think there's going to be a game where Jalen Brown is going to, is going to shock us. He'll go for like 30. He's done it. Um, I don't think that Tatum is going to be somebody that I'm going to be all that worried about. I would expect him to score probably 16 points per game throughout the series. They'll have a game. They'll, they'll get at least one. And there could be one that it's, kind of reminiscent of the game that Philly lost to Miami in this series where it felt like they just never really got it going until the fourth quarter. And you just kind of sit back and go, man, they, they really should have won that one. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think there, there could be one that is a little bit of a letdown and there'll be a game that'll like be really tight down to the end. And, and that might be a Boston win, but like four, two and advancing to go up against whoever you play will be interesting. It sucks for Toronto though, man. Like they got kind of pushed a little bit harder than anybody thought they would by Washington. But like this LeBron Cavs team, after watching it, I've been beating the drum that this is not the worst cast of, of characters he's had around him in his career. It's got to be close. I mean, watching that entire series, I was so disappointed in, in a lot of the guys that LeBron's got around him that just did not step up. I mean, it was nice for Kevin Love to show up in game seven. That was that was kind of big. Tristan Thompson remembered that, you know, he can go for double doubles and actually kind of play decent defensive basketball but that series really shouldn't be close that should be a Toronto sweep or a five game series but we saw at the end of the season uh LeBron has their number so I mean nothing will surprise me in that series and then you should have a trip to the finals 
if you play it right, if Brett sets things up the right way, and if these guys come out with the confidence swagger they've had, reminiscent of the Eagles, it, it should be a trip to the NBA Finals and let the pieces fall where they may. Well said. That's all I got. All right. Um, <laughs> we, um, we will be back on Wednesday with a show. We'll recap the Sixers game one against the Celtics. Um, and I guess we'll probably get around to the uh, the Phillies who, I, I don't know, man. I was getting a lot of tweets today. I think you were tagged in a bunch of them about the Phillies and their hitting and their hitters, their young hitters regressing. It seemed like all was bright and, and shiny and you lose a few games to Atlanta and all of a sudden some of that beautiful luster starts to uh, to wipe off. But we'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Let people know. Um, leave a five-star review in iTunes. And uh, keep your eye out. We will be announcing a live podcast coming very soon, probably in the first week or two of May. So get your uh, get your calendars ready for that one. Kyle, any other wise words for the people going into game one tonight? Uh, tonight, look at you doing the uh, moving time. So right. as we record on Sunday evening. I'm like uh, Dr. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, go Sixers. <laughs> All right, that's beautiful. All right, catch everybody on Wednesday. <laughs>